Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Welcome to the Mind on My Money podcast presented by Pinnacle Trust. Hosted by RebelGrove.com publisher Neil McCrady and Pinnacle Trust financial guru Martin Palomo, the Mind on My Money podcast tackles the financial questions we're all thinking about. From paying for college to saving for retirement, from life insurance needs to 401ks and everything in between. The goal is to help you take the stress out of financial concerns and give you some tips to enjoy life while your mind is on your money. Now here are your hosts, Neil McCrady. And Martin Paloma. Welcome to another edition of Mind on the Money presented by Pinnacle. I'm Neil McCready. Martin Paloma with me here today as well as he normally is here on Thursday. We appreciate you making us a part of your week. We hope you had a great Thanksgiving. And uh, we're back with you as we get into the uh, the Christmas season, the holiday season. Uh, happy Hanukkah to those who um, recognize and celebrate Hanukkah. So, uh, thanks for being with us. We'll talk about a number of things today. Uh, Fed related, uh, Omicron. Is it Omicron related? Uh, I have no idea what it is. <clears throat> the, we'll uh, call it Little O. Little O. Yeah. Little O. Certainly we'll give it a rapper the, name. Little O. Certainly not the big O. Um, not the big O. No. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about a number of things here with you today. Um, I want to tell you first. I'm real quick. I'm coming to you from Clark Ford Studios. Clark Ford's in Amory, Mississippi. Six six two two five seven nineteen hundreds. That number. Call it. Ask for my buddy Corey Clark. Tell Corey what Ford product you're looking for, and he'll send you a quote within 15 minutes in business hours. Listen, even if you're not a um, necessarily looking for a Ford and you want to make sure you're getting a good deal in this weird car market, tell Corey that you heard him uh, as a guest on the Mind of My Money podcast, and he'll he'll help you out. Maybe just a couple minutes, but those couple minutes might stop you from making a mistake or might help you get a really good deal otherwise. And Martin, before we get rolling with today's show, Tell the people a little bit about uh, Pinnacle and what's going on there. Yeah, man. Um, happy to be back. I mean, I was happy to be off for Thanksgiving last week, and uh, uh, I did enjoy a little bit of football and hanging out and putting up Christmas decorations. So, uh, I mean, I, I hated that we didn't get to to hang out, Neil, but but it was all right because I know we get to hang out with you today. Um, yeah, man, we are – so Pinnacle is, uh, you know, as we've said for the last couple of years – um, you know, the, one of the things that we really focus on is, is really planning and making sure that our clients are, are prepared for whatever obstacle event, uh, you know, or, or desires that they have, um, for life to make sure that they, that they stay on track. Uh, one of the things that gets a little bit, uh, that can be, I guess, a deterrent for staying on track is kind of like what's going on today or not today exactly, but you know, the last week in the markets, uh, volatility's picked back up in kind of a weird time because usually uh, from Thanksgiving through New Year's, we have what's called the uh, the Santa Claus rally and, you know, everyone's happy, but it's been choppy and people might be, uh, people might kind of get a little bit of fear and, and try to make, uh, try to make these adjustments, just, uh, you know, knee jerk reactions to their portfolios. And that's always, that is always a recipe for disaster. Um, you know, sometimes it makes sense to make adjustments and sometimes it makes sense to just stay the course. So, you know, if you've been doing it on your own and, uh, 
and your gut's all in a knot, um, you know, give us a call, 601-957-0323. You can also reach us uh, at info at mypinnwealth.com. We've got a team, you know, of, of folks here that that support our clients. And, um, you know, I'm, I know a lot of our listeners just hear me, uh, talking, but man, I have a, I have a really good team, um, that works with me, several good advisors and good other good folks that, uh, you know, that serve our clients. So it's not just me all by myself. I'm not a, I am not, a uh, you know, a, a Jedi master all on my own. I've got a, I've got a whole crew around me. So, um, you know, again, if you've been doing it yourself, tired of it, or if you've got someone that you're just not jiving with, give us an opportunity and uh, you can reach us through the phone or email. All right. So there's a lot of stuff going on. Um, you mentioned the Fed. There's there's stuff that is happening. I always kind of start off these shows by looking at Wall Street Journal and, and kind of finding some some trends or looking for trends to quiz you on, see if I can catch you in a, in a line. <laughs> uh, there, yeah, yeah, sometimes you do catch me too, man. Uh, not often. Um, all right. So here's some of the some of the headlines that are out there and I'll let you sort of take it where you want to take it because a lot of people are out there and they're nervous about uh, money and, and, and the markets and all of those things and, and people are there's a lot of talk about you know what's going to happen with um, the vaccine mandates as it pertains to the supply chain if, if I, mean, I know that's getting held up in court and yesterday frankly the Biden administration had a loss in court but um so here's some of the headlines. Stocks bounce back after Omicron-driven sell-off. U.S. stocks rose Thursday after a seesaw day driven by uncertainty about the potential impact of the Omicron COVID-19 variant, which I have a lot of thoughts on. We we'll might get to that in a little bit. Yep. Um, low claims reflect tight labor market. That's another, another headline. Low claims reflect tight labor market. Uh, oil prices fall on OPEC plus agreement. Um, let's see what else, uh, bond, bond investors bet on low peak interest rates. That's probably something that you're spending a lot of time on yields on government debt indicate the central bank won't raise short term interest rates above 2% suggesting to some investors either economic weakness or market complacency. That might feel like a place to start Martin. Yeah. Bonds are my world, baby. All right. So here's the story. For people who are not like me, who bonds are not their world. <laughs> I don't think it is for most people. Most people think bonds are really boring. And for the most part, you know, they're not as sexy as stocks if, to the average person. I think they're super sexy, but, you know, what they say, beauty's in the eyes of the beholder. That is correct. All right. This is a story in the Wall Street Journal. This is written today, December 2nd, by Sam Goldfarb, who I've heard of. I know he uh, is a pretty top writer there at, at Wall Street Journal. So, Sam, congratulations. Today's your big day. Please uh, tell your family that today's the day you made mine on my money. Um, That's right. Awesome, man. It's great. Great. We'll send what a, him a, what a celebratory hat. Yeah, what a day for Sam. Um, all right, he, he writes, <laughs> U.S. government bond yields have climbed a lot this year. Some analysts are concerned that they haven't risen even further. The reason is that the world has moved closer with each passing month to the day when investors think that the Federal Reserve will raise its benchmark federal funds rate above its current level near zero. That by itself should push up Treasury yields, particularly those on short- and medium-term bonds, with maturities ranging from around two to seven years. 
Those yields, at least theoretically, represent the average expected federal funds rate over the life of each bond, plus some extra compensation for the risk that those expectations are wrong. Sam continues to write, sure enough, the yield on the seven Year Treasury note has climbed this year from 0.643% to 1.353% as of Wednesday. But that is still very low, given investors now expect the Fed to raise rates in just six months or so. The implication from bond yields generally is that the Fed won't ultimately lift rates higher than about 1.5 to 2%, according to analysts. By comparison, Fed officials have indicated they believe the Fed funds rate the rate at which banks can lend excess reserves to each other overnight will reach 2.5% over the longer run, the same as the so-called terminal rate reached in 2018 at the end of the central bank's last cycle of rate increases. Yep. He says, and this paragraph, then I'm going to hand it to you. On one level, this is Goldfarb writing, this is welcomed by investors, as it implies that they can keep buying riskier assets such as stocks and corporate bonds on the assumption that interest rates will remain very low for the foreseeable future. At the same time, it suggests the economy has weaknesses that will make it hard for the Fed to tighten financial. Right now, many investors seem to think there is a low implied terminal rate just because the Fed wants, quote, to be dovish for some reason, end quote, said Prisa Mirsa. Misra, head of global rates strategy at TD Securities in New York, quote, I would argue that if the terminal rate is here because long-term growth is weaker, that's actually bad for risk assets, end quote. All right, that's throwing a lot at you, Martin. That's really well written because he wrote that at a level that dummies like me can sort of understand it. Um, fill in the gaps. Yeah, <clears throat> well, so let's just start with one of the things he said about um, – you know, the, the direction of, of rates, which we knew. So, uh, Jay Powell, who was just nominated to a, a new term by, <clears throat> by Biden and his administration, which I fully support. I, I, I think Jay Powell is, has been a great fed chair. Uh, I think he's had an impossible job and he has done uh, really a lot of magic, um, you know, in, in his, in his work. And, and I don't know if you remember when his term started, um, it was, it was actually Trump that, uh, you know, gave him the nod for the fed chair, which retired Janet Yellen, who was his predecessor, who's now our, you know, the treasury secretary. And, um, you know, and he was doing, he was doing a, a really good job, um, you know, from the beginning of his term, and we hit a point, and he referenced in the in the article, we hit a point where they started, um, you know, what's called tightening. So, uh, meaning that they started raising the rates, and and in 2018, I think there were I think there were three, three or four rate hikes in the Fed funds rate, uh, which is what you know what they're that's the uh, the short term interest rate that that uh, that the Fed controls. And it has, and that, and that the direction of those rates do have an impact on, you know, the rest of the world, whether it's banking world or, you know, government bonds. Um, and, and, you know, and Trump was just beating him down about, uh, you know, it was when we were, it was China was all in the news and he was saying, Hey, you got to lower rates because we need to be able to compete with China and our businesses and industries need to be able to compete with China. And, 
Uh, you know, the more that you raise rates, that chokes the life out of out of businesses because, you know, cost of financing is more expensive and blah, 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 blah. And I mean, and, and Trump wasn't wrong, but applied to the context, uh, he I think he was making a mountain out of a molehill, you know, with, with regards, because rates were really not that, rates have been low since 2009. Like we are not in a, a period of higher of high interest rates. And, and my opinion is that, is that we won't be in a period of high interest rates for a long time. I just don't, I just don't see it happening. I think we'll get back to some type of normalcy, which, you know, what we're in right now is not normal. Um, you know, our 10 year treasury is right around one and a half percent, which is, you know, if, if you, if you, Mr. Or Mrs. Investor say, Hey, I'm going to buy a really safe, you know, investment, I'm going to buy the 10 year treasury from the U S government. You're locking your money in for 10 years at one and a half percent. Like that's not attractive to me. Um, there are other opportunities to make money and that's why the stocks have really done continued to do so well is because people say that's, they don't give you any op. There's no options for putting your money somewhere that can make money other than stocks. I mean, you're not getting paid anything at the bank for CDs, 10 year treasuries at one and a half percent. You know, the German 10 year, is yielding a negative return. So you like give, you give the, you know, uh, the German government your money and they give you less of it back. Like what kind of, what kind of investment is, is that? That's, that's, that's crazy. And, and honestly, it's, uh, when you, when you apply inflation and even if inflation was just an, at its average, you know, of two, two and a half percent, it's the same way with the U S government right now. So if, if inflation was at two, two and a half percent and you're only getting one and a half on the, on your treasury, you're actually losing, you know, a half to 1% a year because your money's not growing at the pace of inflation. And right now, you know, inflation has been year over year tagged at, you know, 6.2%. So you got to make 6% to quote unquote, keep up with inflation. And that's, and that's not a, a hundred percent apples to apples. Cause a lot of that inflation is coming from, you know, used car prices from, uh, you know, from, from other things that are, you know, there's a little bit of rent inflation. There's really not a ton. There's a little bit of food inflation. A lot of it was gas that was in there, but now gas has started retreating from just one of the headlines you, uh, you know, you read earlier that, you know, all the price of oil has, has retreated down to like what, 63, it was like, was it $63 a barrel? Was that what they quoted? Something like that. Six, somewhere in the 60s. You yeah, know, and it was. I'm looking for it now. Um, it was much higher. I can't remember what the article said. No, I'm finding it. I know it's somewhere in the 60s. Yeah, I'm finding it now. Um, but, you know, so there really isn't a place to escape unscathed if you're going, you know, into the bond world. Um, if you're going into, you know, government bonds, you have to you have to get something that's that's going to yield a little higher, you know, just to keep pace, um, you know, with inflation. And that's, that's always been true. That's not just true today, but I think it is going to be a long, I think it's going to be a long road of, um, of the fed raising rates. Now, one of the things that Powell did do that was kind of a surprise to me, and I'm going to be, I'm being totally honest about this because he has, and he has done everything he says that he's going to do. Uh, and, and, and that's the one thing, whether you agree or disagree with the man's policies or politics or whatever, 
if he says he's going to do something, uh, he does it, and and the Fed does it. Um, he doesn't, you know, make these, uh, you know, kind of I guess gray statements uh, to leave people to interpret. He's pretty black and white about things. Uh, you know, one of the things he said he was going to do. Uh, well, one, they removed the word transitor- transitory. Uh, you know, out of out of their language. So, you know, that was a big word that was being used. And I even I even thought the same. It was a big word that was being used a lot, um, you know, around the beginning of the year was is that the, is that the inflation would not be persistent, uh, you know, long term. And I and I don't feel like it will be long term, but transitory implies that it's going to be in my mind, transitory is like less than a year. Uh, and that's just where we're coming to figure out uh, that is not going to be the case. And a lot of that is because of prices of, of goods and services. And a lot of that has to do with, so it's a, it's a supply demand issue versus, you know, like a fundamental inflationary period. Um, and so, you know, he did take the word transitory out, which, you know, kind of spooked the markets a little bit. And then, uh, and then he said that they would begin their tapering of their bond purchase program a little faster um, than they expected, and they would probably start raising rates a little sooner than they had originally expected. So, you know, a lot of people kind of, I think, heard what he said and had a had a, had a freak out. And on Friday, the Friday after Thanksgiving, Black Friday which is generally like the, the most thinly traded day of the year. Cause it's a half day for the markets. Uh, you know, a lot of traders and people on trading desks in New York or San Francisco or Chicago or Dallas, you know, a lot of them are, are, uh, are not, are off. They're not there on the day. And it's generally just, a a really thinly traded day. Well, I happen to look at my phone at like noon on Friday just to see, you know, generally, that day your markets are just kind of flat because there's no volume. And um and look, it was down two percent. And I was like, what in the hell, you know, is going on here? Um, you know, and then they come out with the, you know, the the new fear tactic of of uh the little O. Um I don't even know how to say Omicron. Omicron. Yeah, it's and that spooked folks too. Uh you know, people, I guess investors got a little bit nervous. And when I say investors, I really think this is more of a retail, you know, a regular individual investor who has a Robin Hood or a Schwab or a TD where they can trade on their own. Because a lot of, you know, a lot of the institutional guys are not making, you know, big moves on on the on the uh, news of stuff like this. It almost kind of feels like a we're getting to the boy who cried wolf Yes. You know, type story. It does. Where it's like everything's going good and it's like, oh shit, release the next variant. We got a Omicron. Fear. Yeah, release yeah. the Omicron. Release the Omicron. I don't, I under, mean, I, I I don't, don't mean understand to sound it. flippant nope, nope, at all. Nope, nope. But I just kind of get, I'm getting there, man. It's, it's like mo- Boy Who Cried Wolf. It's more than fair. I asked this on Twitter yesterday. Has anybody actually died of this thing? Like, has anyone died of Omicron? Has anyone died? I don't know. And then yesterday, the story comes out. Let me see if I can find it. I mean, let's let's get this right. Oh, where it hits the U.S. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. In California. Here we go. 
Again, this is uh, Betsy McKay writing this in the Wall Street Journal. So I want to make people to say this isn't because a lot of people get mad at me because they're like, oh, you've turned into Hannity or whatever. At this point, I'm not really sure I care, but um, like this is reading from somebody else. The first known case of the Omicron variant in the U.S. was identified in San Francisco in a San Francisco resident who recently returned from South Africa. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention and California Health Official said the CDC said Wednesday that the fully vaccinated traveler who returned to California on November 22nd has mild COVID-19 symptoms that are improving. The person has been self-quarantining since testing positive on November 29th, and all known contacts have so far tested negative for the variant, health officials said. The confirmed U.S. case raises the number of countries where Omicron has been identified to at least 24 on five continents since scientists in South Africa's first scientists in South Africa first identified it in late November. The World Health Organization days later designated it as a variant variant of concern formally alerting health authorities around the country to the extra risk the new strain appears to carry. Newly reported COVID-19 cases in South Africa almost doubled from Tuesday to 8,561. Officials didn't specify which variant had caused the new cases, but other data showed that Omicron has been identified in every test sample sequenced last week from the hotspot around the major cities of Johannesburg and Pretoria. Public health officials have said that it was only a matter of time before U.S. Omicron cases would be identified. The first U.S. case was confirmed by the CDC and the San Francisco Department of Public Health through genetic sequencing conducting at the University of California at San Francisco. San Francisco Health Director Grant Colfax said the person between 18 and 49 developed COVID-19 symptoms after returning from South South Africa. The patient had received two doses of Moderna's COVID-19 vaccine, but not a booster, not a booster, and suffered mild symptoms. Well, good. I, I mean, yeah. So, so, right? so, here's my thoughts on all this. Right? So, you t- you tell everybody you got to get vaccinated. Okay, they do. You get it anyway, but it's mild, and they're recovering. Yeah. What, what's it the big? Like it's working. What's the big effing deal? Right. <clears throat> I, I I don't understand this. I mean, listen, and I'm I'm the first to tell you that I'm starting to jump in on the conspiracy theories. I, I mean, I am. I can't help it. I look at this and I'm like, wait a minute. So we're getting into the holidays. People are getting together. People got together for Thanksgiving. I look on TV on Saturday. I do. I look on TV on Saturday, and I watch a great day of college football, and I watch a game in Michigan. I watch a game in Alabama, and I watch a game in Oklahoma. And they're packed. 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 To the brim. Michigan, Alabama, Oklahoma. Not the same state. And packed. And everybody's happy, and except for the Ohio State fans, they were not happy. But yeah. the people are happy, and they're having a good time, and they're um, all that stuff. And I just can't help but wonder if the government people look at this and go, oh, "Not really what we want." And I watch certain people in this state um, get on the on the computer and get on their Twitter and scare, try to scare, and I don't understand it. The flu's going around. Uh, it is. I it went is, to the uh, doctor to test for flu, and I asked, and I, I'm, I'm being careful here because my doctor's really, really good to me. Hey, are you getting a lot of COVID? The answer's not really. Twofold. The cases that we get are very mild, and frankly, people aren't testing for it. People don't want to test anymore. Yep. 
I don't want to test for it. I tested for flu because I wanted to know if I had the flu. Yeah. I did not test for COVID. I've had COVID. I'm vaccinated. I don't care anymore. I'm honestly don't care anymore. And so when, when and, and then when there's this story, and it just feels like power. It feels like something. It feels off. Okay. I agree with that. And I, this is and from, I, and I don't, and I generally don't identify as a conspiracy theorist, but I totally, I agree with you. It just doesn't feel, it feels contrived. Yeah. So this is again, wall street journal. This is, I, I always like to give credit to people who write. This is Stephanie Armour and Sabrina Siddiqui, wall street journal, Dateline, Washington, president Biden plans to tighten up COVID-19 testing timelines for travelers entering the U S and extend a mask mandate. No one loves masks more than Democrats. On airplanes, that was me, not Stephanie and Sadiq. Um, on airplanes and other public transportation as part of a broad administration effort to combat the Omicron variant. International travelers coming to the U.S. will have to test within a day of departure, regardless of vaccination status, rather than the 72 hours currently required. Who, who measures this? Who, who enforces I, I this? Know, man. Uh, under new protocols early next week, senior administration officials said the new testing rules will apply both to U.S. citizens and foreign nationals entering the country. The administration will also require travelers to wear masks through mid-March on planes, buses, and trains, and at domestic transportation hubs such as airports and indoor bus terminals rather than uh, allowing the requirement to expire on January 18th as planned. Fines will continue to be double their initial levels with a minimum fine of $500 for noncompliance and up to 3000 for repeat offenses. So, dude, what do you, I mean, all right, let's say that the Gestapo writes me a ticket for a mask okay. or not, or lack thereof. Yeah, you're not wearing a mask. I don't pay it. What are they going to do? They're going to drag me to jail? I don't know. I mean, I'm not I, paying the five hundred bucks because I'm not paying a five hundred dollar. I mean, I wonder. Like, does for, that does that come out in your taxes? Do they do they hold up your? What? How does that work? So is that national police that? I, I mean, I'm 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 curious. Is that is that a federal charge? Who who's doing that? And then here's my other question: If we're doing that, and I'm sorry for raising my voice, but I'm really pissed off at this. If we're doing that, or what are we doing about the what are we doing about the border? When those people come across the border, are we testing them? Are we requiring them to go get a test? Because if we're not, why not? Is the virus that smart? It's it's we. Oh, I thought we already established. <clears throat> yeah, but but, but, but at some point, but at some point, it, it becomes so smart that it's too smart. Yep. Yep. I mean, dude, it's <clears throat> and I and I again, and I'm not trying to. I I really don't want to sound flippant. Um, I'm just, I guess I'm just tired, dude. I'm, I'm tired of, I'm tired of the fear mongering. I'm tired of the, like, I get it. There's a virus out there and, and I get it. And, and by this point, it's like people are either going to get vaccinated or I think they're not. I mean, we're, well, and and, and, we're what about a year out from when vaccines started being, yes, no, we're more than a year, more than a year. People have had more than a year to get vaccinated. Right, so it's like if you haven't done it by now, I mean, you're probably you've you're chosen probably not, not to. Doing it. You've chosen and, not to, and that's right. and I'm, I'm cool with that. So you yeah, have, and now all these people are coming out with like I saw the University of I, I, I hate to it, it was a school in the Northeast. I think it was Penn, but it might be somebody else. Uh, you, you you have to get a booster. We're requiring these boosters. Meanwhile, Martin, um, elite athletes overseas. 
are dropping. Right. And in this country, you can't you 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 cannot report anything. We're, this is this story's gotten weird. This COVID story is weird. I mean, I have a theory on it that is a very basic, simple thing. When you get caught, you know, you get caught telling a lie. At the initial moment that you get caught telling a lie, you have two choices. Admit that you told a lie. Yep, which is most people don't. Or double down. Yep, which is what. And once you double down, it's too late to go back and initially tell the lie because now you've covered up the initial lie. And so you start covering on top of the cover on top of the cover. And before you know it, you've convinced yourself that you didn't actually tell the lie. And I think that's where we are. I think for the Democrats here, and this is absolutely a political statement, I think for the Democrats here, they are unwilling to admit that, hey, maybe we overreacted. Maybe the mask mandate wasn't a necessity. There's two stores in this town that come to mind in Oxford that are doubling down on this mask thing, and it is nothing other than stubbornness. So, that's it. Stubborn. Uh, Doubling down, meaning like, requiring it yeah you cannot come in without a mask and so i mean that's cool and and listen for the record i'm I'm cool with that i just won't go in your store again i'll never go in those stores again and those are two stores that i i liked i'll never go in again they could drop the mandate today and i'll never go back because it's nothing but politics and you're nothing it's nothing but but virtue and and it's nothing but but trying to look superior to people it's a complete joke but i think if Here's the problem with this is that you do this all the time. Your, your analogy about boy that cried wolf is dead on because now if there actually were a variant that came out that was a legitimate concern, no one, I shouldn't say no one, there are some people who yep. will do whatever they tell them to do, but a lot of people will go, no, nope, not doing it, yep. not doing it. And you see more and more of that. You see more and more people going, I'm not doing this anymore. No more. I'm not doing this anymore. I mean, I had someone ask me, like, if Ole Miss goes to the Fiesta Bowl, which is in Phoenix, what are you going to do? And I said, well, if I go, I'll drive. Do you think they're going to go Fiesta? Probably, sorry, I, no, I probably no, no, they'll probably go Peach. But but someone okay. said if they so go. So I have, I have rooms booked in Atlanta. And I, I know they're not going to – they're probably not going to go to New Orleans, but I booked New Orleans too. Yeah. Just to – That would be Christopher – dude, Christopher, last year I took him to the Outback Bowl and – that was a great experience for a father and son, man. Sure, of and, course. Uh, yeah. No, if if, anyway, if sorry, Alabama I, wins I on it. if Alabama wins on Saturday, Ole Miss will go to the Sugar Bowl. If Alabama loses on Saturday to Georgia, they go to Peach. I think they'll go to the Peach. That, but okay. there, there's an that's kind of that's kind of what I thought too. But uh, but there's an outside chance that it's Phoenix, and and it's very really out. yeah it's it's just yeah. But here's my point. So do I need to book rooms in Phoenix too? If if you want to be completely safe, I guess you could. But I think you could. Wait. I just don't. I think I don't you could wait. I think you could wait till Sunday morning. Um, but here's the thing. I mean, you know, all right, sorry, back to what no, it's okay. Are you going to make it? I mean, why during this holiday season are the airlines, if I'm the airlines, I'm pushing back, I'm pushing uh, dude, back. I'm like, wait dude, a minute. What are we absolutely. doing here? I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm pushing back. They have been just hemorrhaging cash for the last several years, trying to stay afloat and, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, and, and and dude, and this is all I haven't I've have not looked at airline numbers or anything like that, but I know I'm sure probably every time a new variant is announced, the management of 
<laughs> of Delta and United and, and American and Southwest and, and, and all the others, they're probably pucker well, super tight because well, they know that they're about to lose revenue. Well, I mean, but, but at some point, don't they have to push back and go, we're not doing this anymore? We're not enforcing it? Yeah, I just don't know. So, and I guess here we're stepping into a little bit of politics world, but so if if it's federally mandated and the FAA is the governing body of, you know, of, of, of air travel and FAA grounds, if they're non-compliant, I guess FAA could ground the entire airline. Yeah, they could. Um, so, I mean, that'd be a hell of yeah, a, I, that'd be a hell of a moment right there now. Oh, that would be, that's definitely the, you know, assassination of Franz Ferdinand type, type thing happening. So, I mean, I think it's world war three in, Oh, because I mean, and dude, I guess I'm being a little bit dramatic, but it would definitely, uh, that's a statement for sure. If, if a, if an airline pushed back and FAA said, okay, well, you're grounded, you're not flying anywhere. Um, yeah, that's uh that definitely is a precedent that gets set. So here's a story for you. I want to get your thoughts on this one. This is Julia Carpenter. <laughs> it's a good one. This is interesting because you deal with this with people. This is Julia Carpenter in today's Wall Street Journal. Um, Mr. and Mrs. Carpenter, you should be quite proud. She says, Americans are hoarding cash because of fatigue and uncertainty with little chance the trend will reverse soon. Over the past two years, households have socked away close to $1.6 trillion in excess savings or resources they wouldn't otherwise have been able to save before the COVID-19 crisis, according to the Federal Reserve Bank of New York. The funds are well beyond the three to six months of emergency savings generally recommended by financial advisors. While the savings rate has dropped back to 2019 levels after four consecutive quarters of record high savings, financial advisors, money managers, and economists say Americans are too nervous about potential worst-case scenarios to dip into their funds. And now, with the Omicron variant of the coronavirus threatening to disrupt stability once again, Many of them expect the cash hoarding to continue. Quote, I've been one of the more optimistic ones, but with this new variant now on the horizon, I think we're in for more of the same of what we've seen over the last six months, said Wendy Edelberg, director of the Hamilton Project at the Brookings Institution. Hoarding savings can, can, can hurt individuals' long-term finances should inflation rise further, and the piling of savings can create bigger problems for an economy in which consumer spending makes up more than two-thirds of its gross domestic product, which makes me wonder, Martin, if this is intentional. If they know that people coming out of the hoarding mode and back into spending gets the economy going again and gets people moving again and gets people past the pandemic, or... Are they hoping for more of this? Because ultimately, ultimately what this is designed to do, this is the conspiracy theorist, so tell me I'm being nuts. And I'm hoping you tell me I'm nuts. Is this the goal to make people so scared and so dependent on the government that ultimately they become crate trained, for lack of a better term, to do what the government says for them to do and ultimately it leads to a Redistribution of wealth. Um, I mean, I don't, I, I don't see a lot of the <clears throat> quote unquote hoarding of cash, you know, in our 
and our clients, um, you know, our clients putting money to work, you know, in their investment accounts. Yeah, we've we've seen that happening. Um, uh, there's, you know, and I do agree with her statement on if you just hoard cash, uh, you know, long term, that's a bad investment because cash is just very if you have all of your savings in cash, uh, you're just going broke very safely. That's that's it, because your cash is is way underperforming. Um, you know, inflation. But while you were talking, uh, I did look, I went to the uh, Fred, which is the St. Louis uh, Federal Reserve. Uh, they, they put a, they put out a, or they do the research and put out the information for the M2 money supply, which is all of the, uh, all of the money that is in circulation. And um, on their charts, they have a, they have like, I think this is going back to uh, looks like 1960 and they have these little vertical gray bars on the chart that represent um recessions in you know in the economy and uh, you can actually see which is kind of fascinating i never really looked at it from a recession standpoint you can see um where in each recession the the actual the money supply has has actually gone up a little bit um, and, but, you know, but it's not a significant change. And then I look at the, you know, uh, so just for a point of reference, this is in thousands in October, I'm sorry, in August of 2019, the M2 money supply, and this is in, it's in billions of dollars, but this is in thousands. So it's, I guess this would be, this would hit trillions, correct? Yeah. So it's in billions and then represented in thousands. So that'd be trillions. So there was, they're calling it, and pardon me if I say this incorrectly, but so there's 14 or $15 trillion of cash in supply, you know, in circulation. Um, a lot of that is Fed pumped, but so this is August of 2019. And then January of 2020, it was still, it was 15,400 or 15 trillion, 400 billion uh and then if we go to may 2020 so march i'm sorry january it was 15 trillion may we jump up i'm sorry june we jump up to 18 and right now we are at 21 so there is a there is a cliff a literal cliff from where the government has pumped money into which we knew that that's i mean it's not a we knew that they did that i mean it was all the stimulus money but it's just amazing for me to to see uh, looking at and looking at all of the recessions in history and it looks like there was a little bit you know of of money put into supply during the recessions which makes sense you know and it could have been through um you know lowering rates not necessarily injecting cash straight into you know people's bank accounts but it is a significantly different looking chart, um, you know, for the 2020 uh, for welfare when we started pumping stimulus, you know, into folks' bank accounts. And and then, uh, you know, and it's even higher today. So, I mean, it was at 15 trillion in supply at the beginning of the year and we're at 21 now. So we've gone up, you know, 33 percent. There's 33 percent more new money pumped and supplied in circulation just this year than there was at the end of last year. 
I mean, dude, and so it is easy to see how people would have excess savings or excess cash, um, you know, in their savings. And if our economy, which our economy in the U S is totally driven by consumption, um, if people don't spend it, then uh GDP is going to, you know, is, is going to be hit. Yeah, hard here's another quote on this. It says, we see a lot of folks sitting on an incredibly high savings amount, and it's really just a fear factor, says Nina O'Neill, partner and investment advisor with AIM Advisors. In 2021, they kind of felt like things were getting better. We're going to get better from the pandemic, and they did, but also they didn't. It's sort of like the same sideways winding road from last year, and so I think people started to spend a little bit more, but they continued to hold that cash, end quote. Yeah, I mean, I didn't get stimulus, so I don't, you know, I didn't have, I don't have excess government money sitting in my checking account. Um, but I haven't stopped spending. I mean, no, I haven't either. Know, no, I mean, I, I, I've just been, I've kind of been business as usual. I mean, and and even like this, uh, in a week, no. Not week in ten days ish on Sunday the twelfth, Jen and I leave for uh, our ten year anniversary trip, which was supposed to be to like, uh, you know, like Greece slash Italy, but um, we we decided to punt on that trip just because you know we didn't know if travel restrictions were going to get kicked in, and I guess you know it's like maybe we actually got lucky on this one because it looks like you know uh, with the the new Omicron or whatever it is, you know, there's going to, I bet it's going to be harder to, uh, you know, would be harder to get into Italy or Greece or probably harder to more difficult to get back into the U S not meaning that I would get, not be able to get back into the U S but you got to jump through all these hoops. I just don't feel like doing. So we're going to spend our money, you know, inside the U S and we're going to Disney world. Surprise, surprise. Well, good for you. I don't know. I just, I catch myself just kind of, I can't help but think that, I don't know. It's, it's funny. You know, you live in a bubble. Everybody does. Cause you live where you live. Sure. And yeah. where, where I live with the exception of the couple of stores that I just mentioned, where I live, everything's kind of back to normal. Yeah. You know, I mean, I mean, life is what it was before the pandemic. I mean, there are people who walk around with a mask and, yeah. and, and that's cool. And it's fine, whatever. I mean, I, I don't care. I'm, I'm not gonna lie. I judge, <laughs> um, but it's not really judge. I make a. I make a. Um, yeah, judge is the wrong word. I'm glad I'm correcting myself. I'm. I make an assumption. I can look at you, and if you're wearing a mask, depending on who you are, I can pretty much bet which way you vote, how you feel. Um, and that's fine. I mean, listen, it's America. Vote for who you want to vote for. Um. But I, I, I think I think we're very clearly on different teams now. I think I think we're far more divided today than we were pre pandemic. There's no way around that in my opinion. It's not close. Um But I think for the most part, people moved on. I mean, I, I go to the store, I walk into the store, I get my things, I leave. Um I, I, I do what I need to do and um I I can't help but and then I I look like I said, I, I look on the T V and and um I'm a pretty avid sports fan, as you know, as someone who covers sports for a living. And, you know, I was watching a game last night, a basketball game, which was played indoors in Athens, Georgia, between Memphis and the University of Georgia. And there were a lot of people in there, and they weren't wearing masks. 
Yeah. And so people are moving on with their lives. And, and it feels like there are elements of the government, authorities and whatnot, who don't want that to happen. They don't want that to happen. And, I, 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 and when you tell me it's because of this dangerous variant and, and then you read stories and it's like, well, we have one person in America who's vaccinated. They have mild symptoms and all the people, their known contacts tested negative. Okay, so why, am I, why are we scared? And at this point, like you've said, people have made a decision. Are you going to get vaccinated or not? In my family, four of the five people are vaccinated, and the one person who's not vaccinated is not vaccinated because his doctors said we should not get him vaccinated, that it was not worth the risk for a 15-year-old boy. Yeah. And there are other 15-year-old boys who are vaccinated. And if we had to get Carson vaccinated, I guess we'd cross that bridge when we got there. But right now, he's not vaccinated. And um, I strongly suspect that Carson's already had COVID. He's certainly been exposed to COVID. On numerous occasions, and at this point, you know, something you said earlier in the show, you said you're, you're going to get it. If, if, if you've done any living in the last year and a half, almost two years now, you've been exposed to COVID. Yep. You've been around someone who had COVID. And so you've either had COVID and don't know it, had COVID and know it, um, and you either are or, or not vaccinated at this point and if you want to go get a booster go get a booster if you don't want to go get a booster don't go get a booster i mean i i do it's the part of this story that in america we refuse to tell in the media we will not say that hey this thing has different risk levels for different people and so you should everything is about assessing risk if you are 65 years old and 65 pounds overweight you are at risk if you are 15 years old and healthy, you're not at risk. But we, we, we will not say that in America. And I, I don't understand. It's the one thing. Like every year, Martin, I write a, a 10. A, every week, I write 10 weekend thoughts. It's brought to you by Game Changer Patch Company. If you are, are imbibing <laughs> this, this December, check out Game Changer Patch. It's a two-patch system. Helps you uh, handle alcohol, recover from alcohol without hangovers. Game Changer oh, Patch. Yeah, it's That's great. That's pretty awesome. Gamechangerpatch.com and a promo code RebelGrove20 at checkout. Get 20% off. Bam. Plug for them. Um, but I, I do, the, and at the end of the year, I write kind of a year in review thing. And one of the things I write about is personal, usually, because it's, it's just, it's my, they are my thoughts, after all. And one of the things I'm going to write about is, is how divided we are based on what I believe. And I believe the, the, the fault here is the media. I believe the fault is Fauci. I read today, one of the things that really bothers me about Fauci, okay? And I'm not a Fox News guy. I'm really not a news guy. I, I read the Wall Street Journal. It's kind of my, my thing. And I, I read a couple other publications. I don't really turn on a lot of TV news. I don't watch a lot of the people that people will probably assume that I would watch. I don't really watch Tucker Carlson or uh, Anderson Cooper or anybody that, I just don't spend a lot of time on that. I watch if I watch TV, it's usually watching sports or I'm watching a show or whatever. I don't I don't watch a lot of TV news, but I read a story today where a couple of people on Fox, uh, Neil Cavuto and Brett Baer, two people that I think would be viewed by most as fairly moderate journalists, you know, pretty pretty professional journalists that work for Fox News, and they've been consistently trying to book Fauci on their shows. And Fauci, who never says no, apparently, to CNN or MSNBC, 
says no to Fox News, which is interesting because if you do the stereotypes and you follow this all the way out, the people that Fauci should be trying to reach, right, about getting vaccinated are the more right-wing people who are vaccine-hesitant. Most of the, the, the left-leaning people are vaccinated. Hell, most of those people can't wait to get another booster. So if you are Fauci and you, you, you won't go on those shows, but those are the people you should be trying to reach, why is that? To me, that's a great question that deserves an answer. But you won't get that answer from, from Fauci, in my opinion, because he doesn't want to address that. It's, instead, he accuses everybody of being political, and then he's political in a position where he should not be political. I expect a Republican senator to be political. I expect the president to be political. I expect a Democratic congresswoman to be political. So when they're political, I'm not really bothered by it. It's fine. That's what you expect. But when Fauci, a health official whose salary is paid for by taxpayers, is political, it bothers me a lot. Because I think he's lost credibility in this. It's one of the things I think should happen is I, no matter who's president, I think Fauci should go away. We need new voices that people can, can be fresh, that people can hear and go, okay, now let me evaluate him or her. And I know I just rambled through that, so I apologize. No, but, dude. But it bothers I mean, me a lot that Fauci can do CNN over and over and over and over and over, but he won't do Brett Baer's show? He won't come on Neil Cavuto's show where you're going to reach a different audience? Because for the most part, the people that are that are religiously watching Fox News are not watching CNN and vice versa. Right. Right. Yeah, they're not going to cross. Very few are going to cross pollinate. So if, if you're trying to reach as a health official because you believe in vaccines, if you're trying to reach as many people as possible, you should not turn down one of the networks that, in your view, caters to a certain political persuasion. You should be actively accepting those invitations. And when you don't, it tells me that either you have an agenda or you don't believe that you can hold up to the questioning that you will get a different level of questioning than the fawning that you're going to get from, say, Don Lemon or Anderson Cooper when they're going to just bloviate with you. Neil Cavuto is likely going to question you some. And, you know, it it strikes me as odd that he won't do those shows. He should do those shows or he should do no shows. But I think we've gotten to a place with this almost two years in where the public trust is lost. And so going full circle, if there ever were a real variant, and by the way, viruses have variants. They always do. Yeah. I mean, flu every, almost every year. Has a new variant or variants. And, you know, you have antibodies or whatnot, or you get the flu shot to help you. Whatever. Yep. Um, you know, I just, I don't know. Just, it's one of the things I'll write about is that I, I, I firmly believe this. I, I think my field is as guilty as anyone of um, not doing its job. And, and I think the same thing about Fauci. And frankly, I think the same thing about Dobbs. I think the same thing about a lot of people that their agendas have taken over. And a lot of people sell hand-raised who listened to those people in March of 2020 who hung on their every word 
a lot of those same people, I don't believe them anymore. And Martin, I'm not alone. I don't believe them anymore. And so when they tell me, oh, you got to be careful about this variant, I'm like, I'm, I'm out. Yep. I mean, we are, it's, I guess we've come full circle to a boy who cried wolf, but mm-hmm. it's definitely, uh, that's how it feels, man. And it just feels like that's where we are. And, and I mean, and even the market reactions are, yeah, are kind of like that. Cause I mean, yeah, we did have a, you know, we had a down, uh, Friday last week. I think that was more, uh, I don't, I don't think that, well, I guess that could have been some of the Omicron stuff. Then we had a, we had a small little bounce back, um, you know, on Monday. And then we had two day, two down days, um, you know, Tuesday and Wednesday. And, uh, and I mean, and I haven't looked today. Uh, oh, it looks like, yeah, we're bouncing back again. Dow's up almost 2%. S&P's up, you know, one and a quarter. Um, yeah, it's, it's bouncing back. So it's like even the market reactions are not as drastic as they were, you know. Well, it's almost like the market February has of, an the, the market has an initial moment where it goes, "Oh my god," and then it has a moment where it goes, "No, wait a minute, we've been down this yeah, road like, before." Yeah, it's like, "Oh yeah. We 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 know where this is headed." Yeah. All right, uh Martin as always a lot of fun. Appreciate it. Hope people enjoyed it. Hope the uh my little rant didn't turn too many people off. If it did at this point, you've if you're still listening to me after the last 2 years, you pretty much know where I stand on this. <laughs> That's funny, man. Frankly, at this point, I like my record better than a lot of people, which is not good. I shouldn't. My record should be worse. (laughs) But it's not. Um, All right, so uh, we'll be back next Thursday with another edition of Mind on My Money. Martin, real quick, tell the people how they can get in touch with you guys at Pinnacle to get your financial advice and and services. It's a phone is 601-957-0323. Or you can email us at info at mypinnwealth.com. Okay. We'll be back uh, next Thursday. Thanks for making us a part of your week. As we, as I said earlier, we certainly appreciate it. We don't take it for granted. We'll make sure that this is uh, out. Tell a friend about uh, the podcast. We'd appreciate that as well. And um, stay safe out there and enjoy the holiday season. And we'll talk to you again next week. Until then, for Martin, I'm Neil. Bye.